I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Wednesday, May 11th. Welcome to Not Gambling Advice. I'm Peter Apple. That's Colby Olson. We are buying or selling some hot starts today. And I know we've kind of been going over this a lot, but there are so many intriguing players that we haven't gotten the opportunity to speak on. So that's what Colby and I are going to do today. Both of us have a hitter and a pitcher who are off to really hot starts. We're going to tell you whether we think this is going to continue or whether maybe you should start selling high. And we also have two players that are having slow starts to the 2022 season that we may be buying yeah these guys aren't that good anymore or no this is the time to buy low colby olson what's going on brother what's going on dude i i think i have two before we get started that i don't think that they're necessarily i think they're slow starts Mm -hmm. for a reason and i just kind of want to touch on them real quick interesting i think they're, they're slow starts that we expected and now they're breaking out because they're rookies we have bobby witt jr who over his last 60 plate appearances, 298 average, six runs, four RBIs, four stolen bases. He's starting to get into a little bit more power, but the big difference is, Peter, he's starting to hit in the leadoff hole. Mm-hmm. He's hit leadoff in the last two games, and we've always been preaching this, right? you got to give these rookies a chance. It took Bobby Witt 60 plate appearances. Here's another rookie who it took 60 plate appearances. Julio Rodriguez, last 68 mm-hmm. plate appearances. He's been even better, man. He has hit 339, eight runs, seven RBIs, Six stolen bases. Julio leads the league in stolen bases right now with 10 bags. He's run on everybody. And another guy that just made a lineup change. He's hitting third in that Mariners lineup. Now he's hit there twice. In the last two games, he's hit third. Give these rookies a second. Give these rookies a second. They're not. Remember, COVID really hurt a lot of these rookies, right? I mean, not every single rookie, because some guys were, of course, drafted after COVID. But a lot of these guys, you know, they're playing 2019, got the whole minor league season cut out. And then 2021, they didn't have that much time to catch up. And then 2022, we're in the middle of a lockout. So we were all expecting, you know, these rookies to not jump out to this crazy hot start and start dominating but it didn't it honestly took shorter than i thought especially for julio rodriguez yeah and i I think you know we just expect that with with most of these high ranked rookies and it's going to happen with adley when he comes up he might take 50 to 100 plate appearances i think julio rodriguez people are starting to take notice that he is actually a superstar but i think people are not there yet with bobby witt so i kind of wanted to bring that to people's attention because if you can maybe snag a Bobby Wood Jr. right now because his fan graphs page says he's hitting 229 right now, mm-hmm. but he's not hitting 229 right now. He's a 300 hitter over his last 60 plate appearances, and I think that's what he's going to be the rest of the season. And he really is that 20 to 25 home run guy with 20 to 25 stolen bases. Trade for him now, and you might get him at a discount. But in two weeks, you're not getting him at a discount. And J-Rod as well. So let's break into our first hot start. And since you gave us kind of the lowdown on the rookies, I'll start with my first player who's off to a crazy hot start, and that's Josh Bell of the Washington Nationals, currently slashing 343, 442 on base, 529 slugging to give him a 971 OPS. No speed, of course, ranks in the 11th percentile, but nobody was expecting speed out of the 260-pound, four first baseman out of Washington, but he is giving you four home runs, ton of RBIs. 21. That was the most shocking thing because I, I know he's hitting behind Juan Soto, and of course Juan Soto is going to get on plenty. But I thought, okay, that's the only run that he's going to be able to drive in this year. But and really, Juan Soto this, has and Juan six Soto home has runs it. and eight RBIs. Exactly. 
So my, my thing is with Josh Bell is I think I was sleeping on this Nationals offense a little bit. I think he has more opportunities for not only run scoring, he already has 20, but also RBIs, which makes him that much more impactful. And Colby, I believe in this batting average. This is just a guy who I feel like has been underrated for a long time and is just raking. And I'm not saying he's going to hit 343, but would I be shocked to see him hit 30 home runs and hit 280? Not even a little bit. Well, what's crazy to me is he went from being a guy that in 2020 struck out 27% of the time. Then last year cut that back 10%. He struck out 18% of the time. This year he's striking out less than 10% of the time. 9.8% strikeout rate right now, which his BABIP right now of 360 is got to come down for his yeah. career. He's a 290 BABIP. But when you're putting the ball in play more, that's only going to help your average. So really, yeah, I could see him being a 290, 300 hitter right now with the way he's putting the ball in play. And when you're talking about putting the ball in play, it matters where that ball in play is and how hard that ball is hit because he does have a 50% ground ball rate. Do which I helps think the average, which does help the average. And also he's hitting the living piss out of the ball. Colby 89th percentile and max exit velocity. His hard hit rate isn't amazing, but more often than not, he's putting good wood on the ball. I just, I, I think Josh Bell is someone, for example, I've already put out trade feelers for Josh Bell, maybe trade an arm here or there. I just really want him because I feel like nobody really gives a shit about Josh Bell in Washington while he can really be a very valuable contributor for your fantasy team. And over the last three years, Peter, he's averaged a home run per fly ball rate around 23, 24%. Right now he's at 15%. So I, I think he he's actually putting more balls in the air this year than he did last year. Oh yes. And his home run per fly ball rate is lower. We could be seeing even more home runs from him with a higher average. I, I agree. Even though he's off to such a hot start, it might cool down a little, but this is a guy that, that yeah, you're not don't sell. Don't Do sell. Not sell. Don't sell. This is a guy to keep. What about your hot start? My heart start is a little bit different because I, I don't know whether to buy or sell this guy. <laughs> and I kind of want you to give me the answer. I, okay. I, I, yeah, it's Seiya Suzuki who got off to a roaring start. We all know how good he was through his first, you know, 15 games of his career. We're like, oh my goodness. For the, for the first 46 plate appearances, man, he had a 270 WRC plus was hitting the ball so hard. 24% strikeout rate. 28% walk rate. He had a, an amazing approach. We were like, wow, is this guy really it? Like he, he could be an MVP candidate and his MVP odds were rising incredibly. And yet I think pitchers have figured him out, Peter, because his last 65 plate appearances, 177 average, which you're like, okay, everybody goes through a cold streak. That's fine. Batters do it all the time, but he's lost his approach. 32% K rate over that span, 4% walk rate. His out of zone swing percentage over that span, 31%. Yeah. Through his first 54 plate appearances, when he was walking 28% of the time, not striking out as much, that out of zone swing percentage was just 12%. So I think pitchers are figuring him out and he's kind of getting away from really his approach right now. And I don't know whether you should sell him because I think he can figure it out. But if the opportunity presents itself and somebody still has in their mind wow say suzuki was roaring at the beginning of the season yeah he's tailed off but everybody goes through hot streaks and cold streaks 
he does it to me. It's a potential sell. If you get the right deal. Potentially. I think you're right because I predicted at the beginning of the season, I wrote an article on just baseball.com. We talked about him on the just baseball show, not too long ago. And Jack really brought up a good point. It's it's, they decided we're going to challenge him in the zone. So he's not walking because he's not seeing that many balls. They're saying, here's, here it is, hit it. And right now he's not hitting it. But honestly, I predicted him at the beginning of the year as a guy who's going to slash 265 or 270, 350 with like a 460 ish slugging. I think right where he is right now, kind of sitting with an 833 OPS, a couple bombs, a steal. That's the production. If you took home with this first month, I would elongate this over the season. And that's what I think we're going to get. We're not going to get the crazy hot start where he's walking a ton, not striking out, hitting every single ball, 110 miles an hour. But we're also not going to get the guy who's striking out 32%, only walking 4% and not hitting the ball with authority anymore. I think that pitchers made their adjustments. He's smart enough to then make his adjustments and it's going to be a cat and mouse game all year long. He's It's going to be like this. But I think at the end of the year, we're going to see around an 810 to 840 OPS with the slash line I spoke about before. Yeah, I really hope so because he, he really is, has lost his approach and I hope he finds his approach. Um, I don't really have any shares of Seiya Suzuki, so I really know skin in the game here. But I just wanted to give the listeners kind of a, a, a look into how he has been hitting and the changes that have been made apparent by his approach. And I think just the way that pitchers are attacking him, he can't hit off speed pitches right now, but they're actually attacking him with fastballs. First pitch, almost every single time saying, like you said, go and get it, go get it. That's what they're doing. Go, go see what you can do with this pitch. And it's going to take him a little bit to adjust. But like I said, I think after the full season, we're going to look and say, wow, he had an 833 OPS on May 11th. He had an 833 OPS on October 1st or whenever the season ends. That's what I think we're dealing with with Seiya Suzuki. Personally, I'll just, he's on one of my fantasy teams in another league. I'm not selling. I'm not, I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm just not trying to sell right now. I'm just keeping him and we're just riding the train. Do you want me to break into my next hot start guy? Yeah, you do it, man. Do you? Let's do it. How about we're going to start with a pitcher this time and his name is Chad Cool of the Colorado Rockies. Colby, what if I told you that Chad Cool right now has a 1.82 ERA for the freaking Colorado Rockies? There's a reason they got this 29-year-old from Pittsburgh, and it's not because he's a flamethrower. It's not because he's going to revolutionize the Colorado Rockies rotation, but because his pitch mix matches up there. He's a mostly slider sinker guy. While the sinker has been getting crushed, the slider is basically optimized for Coors Field. I mean, guys are hitting 050 against the pitch. They clearly found something in Chad Cool that they like. My only thing with Chad Cool and kind of like Seiya Suzuki, I want to throw it back to you. The sinker is one of the most affected pitches in Coors Field, as well as the changeup and the curveball. Those are three of his four most used offerings. He just has to throw his four-seam fastball better. I mean, he just never throws it, but I think it might be a better pitch than the sinker. I wonder if he's going to fool around with his pitch optimization um, over the season. But what I know is that slider is going to work at Coors Field. And it's not like this guy's a 1.82 ERA and a 5.78 expected ERA. Like it's just shocking and we're, all the numbers are pointing to regression. He has a 2.92 X ERA. Now, is he going to be a guy who has an under three ERA this year? Probably not. But will he have an ERA under four? I think he really will. Man, I, I don't know what to say about Chad Cool right now. I just feel like he oh. is 
getting incredibly lucky. Like Chad Cool's cool right now, but I don't know if he's going to be so cool by the all-star break. Good pun. And just looking at left on base percentage, 86% right now for his career, he's right around 72%, which is normal, but he's not giving up home runs right now, which concerns me like 7% home run for fly ball rate for his career. He's around 13% last year was 17% year before that 19% then 15%. And maybe it's because cores, the balls aren't flying out of there like they were last year and just offense has been down. Um, I think you're right about that slider, though. That slider is a different pitch for whatever reason. 50% whiff rate is absolutely legit, and he's throwing that the most of any pitch he's throwing yeah. right now. Um, it's it, tough. I think it all, uh, Peter, I think it all comes down to how do you want to de- deploy Chad Cool? Because yeah. You know, he could be a guy where you're you're starting him depending where he's pitching. And I think he's better than he was last year. But I 1.82 ERA right now just seems fishy and low. And like he's just overperforming a lot of his metrics right now. And hard hit rate is the highest of his career as well. Yeah, he's absolutely overperforming. We will not see a 1.82 ERA at the end of the 2022 season, but if I gave you a 3.9 ERA line, you taking the over or the under? <laughs> That's a good line. Um, I might have to take the over just because he's pitching mm-hmm. in cores, and it's the first month of the season. Balls have been dead, but as we move into May and June and it's going to get hot. The warmer months, I think it's going to get hot and cores will start flying. We're going to see more of those like 12 to 8 games in Coors Field. But you could go under there. That's why I brought it up because I wanted to ask you because I was kind of interested in possibly trading for him. Just kind of like, oh, someone thinks he's some fluke and it's like, oh, I can trick this guy. And I'm like, yeah, but we all know he's a fluke. Like sell him to me on the low. That's what I was thinking about doing because – I do believe in the slider at Coors Field. You know, Peter, do you Coors believe pitcher. in like the stress that comes with just rostering a Coors pitcher in fantasy, though? I don't love it. I'll be honest. <laughs> but what I'm seeing is a guy who can pitch a Coors. And not a lot of guys can pitch a Coors. Like, we have a couple. Herman Marquez and Antonio Sensatella. I mean, Kyle Freeland and Gomber can piece together outings at Coors. But those are the guys that really... And Herman Marquez has been straight up dreadful. So I'm yeah. saying if there is one right now... Because Antonio Sensatella is going to strike out like one guy per nine innings. It's actually a to me. To me, I, I don't think you need to trade for Chad Cool. I think he's going to be a guy that's on the waiver wire in the next three weeks. It's interesting. I don't know about that. We'll see. But it, I think he's just a guy to monitor. In my opinion, if I can get him on the low, I would. But if you're selling, if someone is enthralled with him, I think it's okay to sell him. It's fine. Do you want me to move on to mine? Of course I do. Okay. Mine's an interesting one because I think we talked about him a couple weeks ago as a waiver wire ad. And if you added him on your team two weeks ago when we told you to, you're reaping the bet. It's Brad Keller, Kansas City Royals right now, 1.74 ERA through five starts. And he pitches tonight against the Texas Rangers. And he has been brilliant, man. He's getting ground balls like he does, um, not giving up home runs, not giving up much hard contact. All of the peripherals actually look pretty good. A three XERA, a 3.47 XFIP, right? And you look at that and you go, that's pretty good. That's pretty solid. Colby, why are you telling me to sell Brad Keller? Well, for one, he doesn't strike out many guys. And 
K's, as we know, are a category, but they also predict future success. If you're striking out guys, you will usually do better than guys that don't strike out batters. You're not wrong. <laughs> but, but Brad Keller has succeeded so heavily this year because of the powder puff schedule he's faced. Yep. You there can look at it and you go, okay, he faced Cleveland, but that was to start the year. That was the third bit. Third game of when the season. When they couldn't hit. When they, they hitting in the beginning. Hit. Exactly. The one good offense he's faced this year, the Mariners, he gave up three earned runs and had his worst start of the entire year. He gets the Rangers tonight. Not a good offense. They've been somewhat hot as of late, but they're not a good offense. If he pitches well tonight and keeps that ERA low and, and maybe goes six, seven innings, he's a guy that can go deep into games. Maybe he goes six, maybe he goes seven shutout. You better get on the phone to trade Brad Keller because the schedule for the Royals is about to get much more difficult. And I don't think that Brad Keller can sustain what he's doing right now without getting strikeouts. So funny. And one of my leagues already traded Brad Keller away <laughs> and it's funny, but this is, um, and it's not that I don't want to spend more time on Brad Keller, but I think this makes sense is because I traded Brad Keller for Brendan Rogers and Brendan Rogers is one of my guys who's off to a slow start. But before we get into the slow starts, Let's talk about prize picks because prize picks sponsors, not gambling advice. There are partners on the podcast and Colby and I have been just dicing together these prize picks and you guys know me. I know it's not gambling advice, but I am not a parlay guy. I'm just generally not a parlay guy. So when we were working with prize picks, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. But generally I don't really want to place parlays, but what I've been noticing on prize picks is all these lines are better. The odds I get are better and I can pick oh, do I want 2.25? Do I only want two of these to hit? Do I want three of these to hit? You can kind of play around with it. And in most books, you just can't. And also Colby and I have so much fun putting these together, but you've really been on the forefront of these two because you're really big into the DFS space. You're really into player props. I'm more into full games, first five. So I sometimes kind of give it over to you and then we talk about it, but I want to hear really how you put together your prize pick lineup every day. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a really good question because I think there's some some strategies. I'm still kind of getting my, my feet wet here with prize picks, but I'm starting to get a feel for some good strategies that I think we can make money throughout the season using prize picks. For one, you mentioned how they have the flex play and the power play. So the flex play, the flex, ugh, the flex, flex play, play <laughs> the flex play, the flex play is where if you get two out of three or three out of four, whatever it may be, you get basically your money back plus a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that actually decreases the amount you get paid out if you get all of them right. I don't think it's worth it to, to have that insurance. I actually think that you should always go for the power play, go for the big dollar amount, because you're, you're really capping your winnings by doing the flex play. And over time, I think we're going to get enough of these right that the power plays are going to pay off. The other thing I've been noticing is... I don't think it's worth it to do four plays, to do five plays. The payout might be higher, but I think our bread and butter is going to be doing two picks, three picks sometimes. Now, now going to how I actually pick the plays, right? You can go and look at te teams K rates for like, say I had Michael Kopech last night. He had been on a roll, striking out five, six, seven batters in most of his starts. He got the Cleveland guardians who had been, Striking out at the top of their lineup, not much. Back end of that lineup strikes out a ton. And I was like, okay, Michael Kopech's going to tear through the back end of that lineup, but the line was lower. So on DraftKings or BetMGM or whatever the book is, his line was five, sometimes six strikeouts. 
but on prize picks, five strikeouts. And I felt confident. Okay. I like what I'm seeing from Michael Kopech as of late. I like the lineup he's facing and I like the line, Michael Kopech. Then we went to the first five or the Nerfy. We had the under in that game. So I said, okay, I like Nestor Cortez. I like John Gray. Yankees are struggling. Rangers are struggling. We have the under already. Nerfy's going to hit. The Nerfy line on other books was like minus 140, That's minus 150. On prize picks, it's even. Yeah. And I mean, we could just get great Nerfies too. And also, I know you and I too, I know one of the prize picks we lost when we're taking outs. Like, for example, I remember we took Logan Webb outs. I'm not sure exactly if that one hit, but it's so hard to end up pitching. Yeah, okay, that's what happened. Because it's so hard to predict how many outs they're going to get. But I feel like strikeouts and nerfies are at least the best ones to predict. So that's what we've really been on lately is the over-under strikeouts. Because like he just said with Brad Keller, it's like that's predictive of success. And especially when you're facing a lineup that strikes out more than another lineup would, and that matchup just makes sense, maybe they – pitch better at home versus on the road. Like we're looking at all the home road splits and, and how teams are face playing really lately as There's well some as big discrepancies in teams, Peter, like the, the top strikeout team might be striking out 25, 26, 27% of the time. And the lowest strikeout rate team is like 18, 19%. So you can get some really, really good value on just picking your matchups with guys that have, have pitches that can get a certain lineup out. Exactly. And well, let's um, now. So we talked about prize picks. We love prize picks. And that's in the episode link description as well. We're going to be dropping those every single day on Twitter because we're just we just get on heaters with these things. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. We're just getting on heaters with these things. And if you want to join us, download prize picks, use code just baseball. You get a deposit match as well. You get free money for just hanging out with us and we get to play all, all season long. You know, we're going through ups and downs happens. You know, I was on a bad losing streak. Tigers A's under just hit 15 outs of sweat. Bang. We nailed it. So we go through ups and downs. Prize picks has been more up than down and we're going to keep rolling with it. So Colby, let's transition to our slow starts and I'll talk about Brendan Rogers again. Cause I, I know we, we just talked about prize picks in the middle of that, but the reason why I traded Brad Keller for Brendan Rogers is because he's another guy who's at Coors and he's gotten off to a really, really slow start. I mean, the dude is hitting 169, 222 on base percentage, 241 slugging to give him a 463 OPS. And I'm like, wow, I was, you know, shining light on this guy that he was going to be next up, the next heir apparent to the Trevor Story, the Troy Tulowitzki. He's 25 years old. Fine. I mean, he's a first round pick third overall out of high school. This was finally the time. And then he gives me a 463 OPS in the month of April. But the thing is Colby, and I, I really wanted to throw this at you too, because I still believe in this guy. He's still in the seventh percentile of max exit velocity, 64th percentile of hard hit rate. And I know you're going to talk about where exactly those balls are going, but last year, his OPS was almost identical through the first month too. This could just be a guy who starts off slow because in May last year, that's when he first started. He had a four or 64, 70 OPS next month, 908 OPS. So this is a guy who I think is going to really bounce back, but I'm really curious what you think about Brendan Rogers of the Rockies. I was all over Brendan Rogers coming into the year. And for a good reason, like you said, he was, he finished the season really, really strong last year. And just from a fantasy perspective, guys that play in Coors field are so valuable in fantasy because most of their expected numbers they outperform their expected numbers and it's a pretty good lineup he has a lot of run and rbi 
chances in that lineup. You know, CJ Crone is mashing. I mean, Chris Bryant hasn't even been playing. When Chris Bryant comes back, he's another guy to add to that lineup that is another guy put on base for Brendan Rodgers to drive him in. I think that this is just bad luck to start the year. I mean, hard hit, look, hard hit rate looks great. Yeah, you mentioned that he doesn't put many balls in the air, but I don't think it really matters because I think it only increases his chance to have a higher average, and he puts enough balls in the air. We know Brandon Rodgers is not going to be a 25 or 30 home run guy. It's just not who he is. He could push 20 home runs, but in you know a solid year, he's 15 to 18 home runs, a decent average in course field. And you don't think he can I, hit 20? I really think, I think he's he could 20 hit 20 plus home run I guy. Could, I think he could hit 20. But th- I think that's I like I know what you're saying, not 30, but I think 20 plus is yeah. what we should expect. I think too, he's been booted down in this lineup currently, mm-hmm. right? He's not hitting sixth, seventh in this lineup. He sucks right now, quite honestly, but he's not going to finish. He's, he's been hot as of late a little bit. And I think if he's on your waiver wire, if people kind of gave up hope on Brendan Rogers, that's actually a pretty good time to pick him up and see where he goes over the next two to three weeks. Because if he starts hitting again, he could jump up in this lineup, either to the five hole or the two or three hole. And that's really valuable. He's as cheap as you'll ever get him. He's been on waiver wires for me. I don't know about you. I You said you traded for him, uh, but I got him off of waiver wires places. Yeah, deeper league. I, what do you think about my Brad Keller versus for Brendan Rodgers trade? Do you like that trade? Or are you like, what are you doing? I know you're just saying you're selling Brad Keller. I feel like that was a good trade by me. No, I think that's a great trade. I think that's your classic sell high and buy low. And um, bunch of idiots. In if my you league. had a need, <laughs> if you had a need at, at second base, because I know in some leagues, like second base can be kind of thin. Um, that's a really good trade. Thank you, my friend. Let's hear your slow start. My slow start on the hitting side of things is quite interesting because he had the hottest start. He quite honestly had the hottest start. Giancarlo Stanton got off to an insane start. He hit home run in three straight games against the Red Sox to begin the season. He has tailed off since then. But what if I told you Giancarlo Stanton also has the highest hard hit rate of his career? And he's putting more balls in play than ever. Or more balls in the air, that is. Yeah. Last 60 plate appearances, Peter, two. 83 average, 26% K rate, right? You look at his fan graphs page and go, oh boy, 33% K rate. What the heck is happening here? That was just the start of the season. I think he's finally making a, a change at the plate. He's not striking out as much. He's putting more balls into play, putting more balls in the air, highest hard hit rate of his career. And he's 26 right now in ex-WOBA, but his WOBA is like 100 points less than his ex-WOBA. And to me, to me, it seems like a buy. I rarely miss an inning of Yankee baseball. And I can tell you, everyone's like, oh, Joey Gallo, he's so unlucky. No, Giancarlo Stanton is unlucky. Giancarlo Stanton, I know that Joey Gallo um, is going to strike out. And I know Giancarlo Stanton is going to strike out too. And he's going to have those embarrassing moments where you're like, wow, he just missed that ball by six feet. How is that even possible? But Giancarlo Stanton has been getting way more unlucky, in my opinion, than Joey Gallo when I turn on the TV. Joey, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, he might hit 250 for the rest of the year. But his expected batting average, like I think you said, is 299. He might be right in the middle of 250, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 250 for the rest of the year. My thing is, he's going to start walking way more than he is, 5.3% walk rate to 10.9% last year, and it's been near 16% in other years. He's going to start seeing more pitches. He is just way too good of a player 
to for me to think that oh now he's off to a slow start like maybe he's over the hill not even close he's been just so so unlucky and I'm even looking last year like he wasn't a guy who got off to a really slow start I mean he had six home runs in April last year but you know he was an 815 OPS guy in 2021 you know he was a 782 OPS guy in in his first month in June last year even taking you back to 2018 660 OPS in his first month of the year this again historically slow starter and he's getting unlucky. This is a straight buy. I'm glad you brought him to the table because yeah, he's going to strike out. And if your league is big on strikeouts, like that's one of the killers, you know, maybe he isn't as big of a buy, but I mean, this guy hundredth percentile and freaking everything that's hitting the ball hard. He's going to really hit confident. 40 home runs. I mean, this is a guy that was being drafted, you know, top one, you're the top 100. And, and now you're probably going to get him for, much less than that. Um, I think he's a great buy. I agree. Absolute great buy. So now let's move on to my slow starter who, again, Colby, I, it's like we should come more prepared for these, but we do prepare, but we just have so many questions that we have to run by each other because we, we like to, we like to kind of come with our guys and then just kind of pitch them. So we could kind of get organic responses. And this guy, I'm just, my heart, can't give up on him but my brain is looking and saying you know what charlie morton of the atlanta braves might be a bit over the hill curveball disgusting so you don't even have to worry about the curveball he's throwing it 38 percent of the time and it's still a great pitch but the problem is colby everything else is getting killed the four-seam fastball is getting pelted this year and it's a tick down in velocity so far the sinker also getting destroyed and the sinker got even destroyed last year and he hasn't been throwing the cutter that much because the cutter kind of got hit last year so i think he's kind of you know one of those pitches that got hit you know you take it back a little bit and then the changeup he barely throws so the 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 curveball is still great but i'm worried that all the other pitches are ticking down and the fact that he's just 38 years old and coming off a leg injury from last year, I just, I mean, currently right now, just to let you know kind of where he's at, 5.65 VRA, 28 strikeouts, or 28 innings, excuse me, 23 strikeouts, 164 whip. He's currently two and three. This is a guy who probably will luck into some wins just because he's on the Braves and the Braves are going to heat up in the summer. But other than that, like, what do you think? Because I'm, my heart says, what are you doing, Peter? You're not giving up on Charlie Morton. He's going to figure it out. But then the, my brain is saying, look at the pitches. Something is up here with Charlie Morton. Last year, 185 innings pitched, 3.34 ERA. Everything was awesome. Struck out almost 11 batters per nine. And at age 37 was like in the Cy Young race. This year, he's a different arm, man. I mean, he's where did the command go? 13% walk rate. You look at his fastball heat map on baseball savant, and there's just a red circle right in the middle of the plate. Yep. So it's no surprise that his fastball is getting beaten up. Um, obviously, the curveball is always going to be good. That's just going to be his out pitch that he's going to rely on a ton. But if he's a tick down, he's losing command. He's walking a lot more guys. I do worry that, that maybe Charlie Morton age is catching up to him a little bit. And which is like understandable. This guy is pitched at, at a high level now for five straight years, six straight years. And it's got to take a toll on him eventually. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very concerned about Charlie Morton. I don't currently own him in any leagues. Me neither, but, but I really wanted to talk is, about him because I like him so much. 
I think the problem is with Charlie Morton is I don't think there's going to be many buyers out there for a guy at 38 years old, doesn't have much upside. Like the upside is that he's going to bounce back to what he was, but I think people are concerned that at age 38, that's not going to happen. So at this point, I think, I think the, the safest option is you hold him for another three to four, maybe five starts. See what happens. That can get dicey. That's the thing because he just keeps giving us shit starts over and over again. Or, and and you can bench him through that. I think yeah. you can bench him through that, right? Um, but yeah, it's tough. If there's if there's a guy on your waiver wire that you feel more confident in, I think you gotta. I think I you just gotta go for it. My main point is Charlie Morton is not a oh, just throw him out there to start whatever. Look at his matchup. If he has a bad matchup, okay, sure. He's at home, okay, sure. But Play him like that because this is not the same Charlie Morton we're accustomed to. Absolutely. I don't even know if it's matchup dependent at this point. Like he got beat up by the Cubs. He gets beat up even by teams that aren't amazing. I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) You can't be nice. You can't be nice in fantasy baseball, Peter. And before before you give us your last slow start, we got to talk about my bookie. 162 games of baseball season can feel like an absolute grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, and props galore. Nobody gives you the opportunities to win than my bookie. And getting started is super simple. Deposit 300 bucks, play with 200 instantly all you got to use is just use promo code just baseball to claim the my bookie deposit bonus you use code just baseball and you get a free 200 bucks just to play whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport there's never been a better time to join the my bookie family go ahead and sign up today using promo code just baseball to secure your first deposit bonus up to a thousand freaking schmackaroons with my bookie whatever you put in they'll meet halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I like free money. I, I mean, really enjoy free money. It's funny. I wrote an article like way back, right when we first started the um, the um, website, and it was the Just Baseball Guide to Sports Betting. And I always said, use promos, people. Use promos. This is just free money. And my bookie has great lines as well. Like I've been using my bookie as well. Sometimes they have better lines than the other ones. More often than not, they do. And I'm, if I'm getting free money, like why wouldn't you use it? You know what I'm saying? Always, always, always. I cannot repeat this enough. And this is not just because you know, we're working now with my bookie and we think you should use the bonus. Like this is just common knowledge. I wrote it back. If you, if you want to fact check me, I literally wrote it back um, like a year ago, use promo codes. It is just, they're giving you free money. Use it. We are giving you free money to tail us and win more. So give us your slow starter. Okay. My slow starter, another interesting one. Like you brought up Charlie Morton. I think that's a great question because he's been so dominant in the past and could he turn around? Our answer was, I don't know, maybe I'm going to come to the table with a guy that I think we might have a similar answer, but I think we might come out of it with, okay, this guy's got to turn around. He's too good. Brandon Woodruff, Milwaukee Brewers. He is a consensus coming to this year. I ranked him as my number nine starting pitcher coming to the season. He was consensus. Number eight consensus top 10 starting pitcher right but so far he's been getting beaten up 5.97 era 44 percent hard hit rate against and his velocity right now is down 0.8 miles an hour which isn't the most encouraging thing ever but there's also a lot to be happy about with what brandon woodruff has done this year 3.55 xera 3.57 fifth 
3.01 Sierra is incredible. That's towards the top of the league. His K rate is in line with what it was last year. He's getting beaten up on that fastball, but the other pitches look really good. And, you know, I just think he's got to turn it around. It's another guy that's too good of a pitcher to be a 5.97 ERA guy with the peripherals looking not spectacular. It's not like he has a 2.5 fifth, but maybe he's just a slow starter. He's figuring it out. I don't think he's injured. I mean, the velocity is down a little bit, but not enough to where I'm like, oh, that's, that's too much. What do you think? If anybody in your league is dumb enough to trade you Brandon Woodruff for some no-name, do it now. Go get Brandon Woodruff. We're talking about every expected stats. They're saying he's going to turn it around. And Brandon Woodruff, I don't even care if the expected stats said they were he was going to turn it around or not, because I just believe in it. So not only do I fully, fully believe in it, but also all the numbers point to just a resurgence coming in the second half, or at least through the next couple of months as well. The problem is, yes, you're right. The fastball and the sinker have been hit a little bit, but he's just been accustomed to some bad luck. And what I really like that Brandon Woodruff has done this year is he's starting to throw the changeup a little bit more. That changeup is one of the best changeups in baseball. I really think so, Colby. It has great movement to it. It has great shape. It has low spin. So it's it's just a good, good pitch, and he can locate it well. If you look at the heat map, like it's right inside the lefties, away from right-handed pitchers. You could see how well he locates it on that outside part of the plate, two right-handers. He's just, I mean, he throws it more to lefties, but in the heat map, I was a righty, so I'm like, oh, outside the righties. But he actually throws it more to lefties. But that's the thing. I like what he's done. They've started to hit his fastball a little bit. 96.5 to 95.8 like he's still throwing the sinker pretty hard I'm just not really worried about Brandon Woodruff and if anybody is willing to trade him to me bring him to me I'll take him you don't like him I don't care I'll take him give him to me yeah I mean talk about a guy that's unlucky 59% left on base percentage it's it's 81% last year 80% the year before that that's gotta regress like that that is got the x era of 365 compared to his 597 era it's this is the almost no-brainer resurgence guy i mean he's a top 10 for a reason he got off to a little bit of a slow start like ho-hum you know and maybe he screwed you to the first couple of months like i'm sorry he might have because we ranked him 10 you're like oh i gotta get but he's just that dude he is that dude he got off to a little bit of a slow start. it just goes back to not overreacting don't overreact. he goes back to not overreacting yeah Agreed. agreed And that'll do it for this episode of Not Gambling Advice. Those were our hot starters. I got my slow starters. Unless, is that is that the end? I think we're good. Yeah, we, we went through all the hot starters and slow yeah, starters. Yeah, should we, should we preview uh, what we're going to start doing every other Friday? Absolutely, we should. That's a great idea. We're going to start doing a mailbag. We do mailbags on the Just Baseball Show, where we get a bunch of questions in from Twitter and on Instagram. We're going to start making posts at gambling underscore advice that's the name of our twitter it's not gambling advice we know this but that's our twitter at gambling underscore advice it's in the episode description as well leave your questions on there don't leave them yet i mean if you want to dm us we're always available for dm but what we're going to do is we're going to make a post and then ask your questions under there similar to the just baseball show and we'll answer all the fantasy or gambling questions any questions about anything we're here to answer them for you so that'll be on friday check out our chalkboard that's our group chat where we're giving out all of our bets bonus picks prize picks are going in there bunch of different stuff that's in the episode description as well could be anything else before we go i like how you just influence the viewers to slide into your dms because i think that's cute i'm just saying you know 
You want to leave me a question? 24 seven. You want fantasy advice? We got you. Not, not 24 seven because I mean, I got to sleep. We got to sleep. Colby. You sleep? Not, not that much. With that, thank you everybody.